Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. In case you don't know me, my name's Kate. I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Beth. No Limits is a place where you come in to get equipped to go out and make a difference for the kingdom of God. You know, for us, Sundays are not a time to play church. Aren't you thankful? We show up on Sunday to get corrected, encouraged, and equipped for the week that's ahead. We aren't people who just live out our faith on Sundays. We are people who live out our faith every single day of the week. You see, we see everyday life as an opportunity for ministry, and that's why we're taking the kingdom of God into business, into schools, into government, into media. We're heavily involved in the world system, but y'all, we don't act like the world. Amen? We're open to... We're an open display of God's righteousness, of his power, and of his love. That's who we are. You know, speaking of taking God's kingdom into media, there's a video that I posted a few weeks ago that's still going strong, y'all. It's just still going. It's my most popular video yet with over 300 comments. I won't tell you if they're positive or negative, but you can probably guess. Most of y'all have probably already seen this video already, but I actually want to play it for you because this is something really important that we all need to know. So I'm going to ask the guys in the back to go ahead and play that video. If you support LGBTQ, you support pedophilia. When I posted this statement on my social accounts, it caused a bit of a ruckus. (laughs) Interestingly, instead of defending themselves, most did what guilty people do. They hurtled insults and false accusations against me. You know, like when one kid tattles on another and then the guilty kid starts blaming the one who tattled. But I did have one person ask for documented evidence to support my statement about the link between LGBTQ and pedophilia. So in this video, I'm going to give you the proof. Let's start with some stats. I'll link all these studies below. More than one study reveals that about 98% of pedophiles are male. Other studies show that about 3% of the male population are homosexual. And here's where the rubber meets the road. You see, most people think that all pedophilia victims are little girls, but that's not the case. Studies reveal that about one-third of the victims are little boys. So since most pedophiles are male and only 3% of them are homosexual, this means that 33% of the child molestation crimes are committed by 3% of the pedophiles. You put all these numbers together and you find that homosexual men are 15 times more likely to be pedophiles than heterosexual men. And if the stats aren't enough for you, let me show you a few videos from the LGBTQ community that further prove their link to pedophilia. This has been my first year in preschool with a class of my own, teaching alongside another queer neurodivergent educator, and we have been rocking our twos class. So today at the lunch table, when the topic of gender and genitals came up, one of our students plainly looked up and said, well, I'm a girl today, but I know that teacher Ko isn't. No, they're Enby. I work for Evolve Early Learning in West Asheville, North Carolina. We are a preschool, and this is one of my favorite books that I wanted to share with you today. B. B is for bi. You can shout it out loud. I like more than one gender, and that makes me proud. G. G is for gay. This word's just for you. If you like someone and you share their gender too. L is for lesbian. It's love and affection between two special girls who share a connection. T is for trans. It's a brave step to take 
To live as the gender you know is innate. This is the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus. This is a a, a video they put out on, on YouTube. It's titled A Message from the Gay Community. But you're just frightened. You think that we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked. Funny, just this once, you're correct. We'll convert your children. Happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice it. Well, hello there. Asked the bees. How can we be brides, bees, if we don't know who the bride is? I can be the bride, says Worm. I can too, says Worm. Then one of you has got to be the groom, or how can I be best beetle? Asked the beetle. I can be the groom, says Worm. I can too, says Worm. We can be both. And today we're counting down our picks for the top 10 most romantic LGBTQ plus moments in cartoons. They see that in reality, he's marrying the kind chocolatier Patrick. Indeed, the couple is perfectly matched and they're surrounded by Mr. Ratburn's beloved students who are like family to him. Mr. Ratburn is married. I still can't believe it. Yep, it's a brand new world. The buildup and payoff make this moment even sweeter than a fresh pack of pink bubblegum. Thankfully, they survive to enforce the new Never Mind All That act and declare their love for one another in the process. Now, if anyone goes asking around about the events of the last few days, what do we say? Never mind all that! And if you break the rules, we're gonna zap you. Zap, zap! We're mad with power! And love! So a question you need to ask yourself is, why is the LGBTQ plus movement so consumed with children who aren't the least bit interested in sex? Would you allow a heterosexual man to teach preschool girls about sexual expression? Would you allow Chippendale dancers in the kindergarten classroom to read books with sexual innuendos? Then why are we so quiet while the LGBTQ community grooms our children for a life of sexual sin? You see, Jesus warns of the outcome for those who play along with this nonsense. He says, if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Are you going to speak out and protect these precious children, or are you going to stay silent while our schools are taken over by those who are 15 times more likely to molest children? It's time to wake up. This is no joke. We cannot ignore this any longer. The LGBTQ movement will not only destroy our kids, but it will also destroy our nation. The best way we can turn this around is to protect our kids. Get this crap out of your house. Don't allow your kids to access cartoons and books that promote sexual preference and gender identity. Then show up to your school board meetings and demand that everything LGBTQ be removed from public schools. We cannot allow our tax dollars to pay for the destruction of children. And lastly, most importantly, make a habit of teaching your child the Word of God every single day. Do it in the morning before they go to school and do it at night before they go to bed. Parents, you are responsible for teaching your children the way of the Lord. Don't outsource it to their Sunday school teacher. They need to learn it from you every single day. If you're struggling to shake this woke, fake love, I encourage you to read my book titled Jesus Ain't Woke. It's a quick 30-minute read that'll help you clear your mind of all the woke lies so you can follow Jesus and help your kids do the same. Order your signed copy at cadeyoung.com. And hey, before you go, we hit that like button. Helps this video get out to everybody who needs it. Also, be sure to subscribe right here and subscribe to my email list by visiting cadeyoung.com so we can stay connected even if I get canceled. I'll see you next time. 
I need to start adding to my outro, and please leave a hateful comment, because that helps the video get out to where it needs to go as well. So I've now had several people send me direct messages to tell me how to be a better pastor. Interestingly, they also explain how they hate the church and they don't believe in the Bible or Jesus. So my response to them has always been, all right, let me get this straight. You don't believe in the Bible, but you want to coach me on biblical matters. Uh, No, it's not going to work that way. And then they respond by cussing me out, complete with the flip off emoji. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Of course, this is combined with them explaining how they love everybody, even those they, those they disagree with, except for me, right? All right. Now, I'm pretty sure that I've been cussed out more in the last week than I have in my entire lifetime over posting this video. Um, but you know what? I don't care. I don't care. When God gives you a message to speak, you speak it. And ain't nobody can shut you up. You see, I live for an audience of one, and I'll be obedient to God, regardless of how many people don't like it. I'm not here to please people. I used to. That that was a pitiful life. I'd never go back to that. I'm here to please God, and I'll do what he leads me to do. And I encourage you to do the same. You know, God is looking for people who refuse to be people pleasers and dedicate their lives to pleasing him. He's looking because it's a rare breed. Anybody, if that's you, say amen. If it's not you, just say, oh, me, and I hope you get there. So I want to start off the message today by sharing something with parents who have school-aged kids. I think now you can see why we had the kids exit the room. I did not want to show them that video. Um, And really, the whole message today, I didn't really want them to hear. This is for the parents, for the grown-ups in the room. Um, But you're probably aware of this, but your kids are under attack. Has anybody noticed that? I mean, this generation of kids faces an unbearable amount of temptation and evil every single day of their lives. It's not just like when you grew up or just like when I grew up. Yes, things were going on then too, right? I mean, we can all attest to that. But it was in the shadows and it was culturally unacceptable. But now it's out in the open and it's promoted as, you know, acceptable behavior. Your kids not only have to resist evil these days, but they have to resist when teachers and other leaders in their lives are trying to brainwash them into believing that sinful behavior is okay. Yes, they get to hear me speak the truth every Sunday, and if they're in youth group, they get to hear me on Wednesdays, too. I bet all the youth in the room is just so thankful they get to hear me twice every week. But that's not enough. They need to hear the truth from you, too, as their parents. You know, parents, I wouldn't be saying this today if the Lord didn't lead me to say it, because if it were up to me, I'd probably just stay kind of quiet on this one, because what I'm about to say is probably going to make you mad, at least somebody in the room. Um, But... I bring you this with the authority of Jesus Christ. This is what he wants you to hear. If you are not teaching your kids the word of God at least once daily, you're not as good of a parent as you think you are. In this following statement, this has always been true, but it's more crucial now than it is, than it's ever been. The most important responsibility you have as a parent is to teach your children how to live for God. It's more important than their education, It's more important than their social life. Because here's the deal. If you don't train your children to be children of God, the world will train them to be children of the devil. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. It's cool that we kind of got to talk about this in our small groups this morning. But here's how most people interpret this today. Take your, child, take your child to be entertained at church most Sundays, and when they're old, they'll keep going to church. It's true. That's, that's how most people see that. 
I know a lot of Christian parents who took their kids to church every Sunday, and now they have adult children who live like the world. Why? What, is this scripture not true? Of course not. All scripture is true. But it's because they outsource training their child in the way they should go to one hour on Sunday mornings. Taking your kid to church is essential, and it's very important, but maybe not if your motivation is so they can be entertained for an hour so you can get a break. That's a discussion for another time. I won't get into that today. But it is not the church's responsibility to train your child in the way that they should go. God has assigned parents to train their children the way that they should go. And here's what the scripture is saying. It's saying parents who daily teach their kids to live for God will end up with adult children who live for God. It's a promise. Amazing. So let me ask you, when was the last time you allowed your kid to miss school? Oh, we aren't going to do that. How about a sports practice? Oh, we ain't going to do that. When was the last time you allowed them to miss family Bible study? Oh, wait, did that even make the daily schedule? Y'all, we're so distracted by the things of this world. I mean, we will literally prioritize everything over the word of God and over the things of God. Sports on Sunday? Well, we better go to that instead of church because well, we want people to know we're committed to sports. It's more important to please people than God anyway, right? I mean, plus, Kate's really nice. He won't even make me feel bad for it. But the coach, he'll make me feel bad for choosing church over the game, I'll tell you that. So have I made anybody mad yet? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm here on assignment to wake you up today, and getting mad might just be part of the process, and I understand that. But you got to admit, it is ridiculous how much we prioritize the things of this world over the things of God. I mean, it is just ridiculous. And we have plenty of excuses as to why we do this, but the reality is we're worshiping idols. We're no better than the Israel. We like to make fun of the Israelites for worshiping that golden calf that they made. You guys remember that story? We're no better than them. We're doing the same thing. You know, whenever they did that, at the same time, they were bringing peace offerings to God. They were kind of living both ways. So there they were. They were worshiping the golden calf at night, and then they'd wake up the next morning and make some animal sacrifices to God. Did you know that God doesn't play this game? He's either number one or he's not. You shall have what before God? Nothing. No other gods before God. And you better thank God for his grace and mercy, because if it wasn't around, we would all be goners. It'd be over. But the time has come to destroy the golden calf. That's the season we're in. We have to destroy the golden calf and put Almighty God back in the number one spot. We must return to living our lives to where he gets number one and everything else is secondary, if I even get to it. It would be better for your kid to miss school than to miss time with you in the word of God. This is something that Beth has been dealing with lately because we homeschool our kids and she's the one doing most of the homeschooling. And she's under that pressure as a homeschool mom of following this structure that public education has constructed, right? Because we both went to public school. So we need so much time in history and so much time in English and so much time in math. And these are the things that she's dealing with. And then the Lord convicts her heart and says, I want you to teach them my word first and foremost, not that we want to have kids that don't know how to read or do math or anything like that, but we found that those things come really easy to them, and we can spend most of our time teaching them the Word. It's amazing. We actually, um, 
Let's see. I think it was on Tuesday, Beth started teaching them the books to the Bible, and they know all the Old Testament books from beginning to end in one week. They know the whole thing. They could come in here and sing it for you today. It's incredible how fast they pick up on this stuff. And for the record, our kids are seven, ages seven and under, and even my four-year-old can sing the books of the Bible of the Old Testament. Even all those, they have a struggle, struggle with like Zephaniah, like they're still working on that, right? There's some weird names in there, but... You know, it'd be better for you to put boundaries around your work schedule, which would make your boss mad in the process, than it would be for you to miss family dinners where you guys get to sit down and talk about the things of God. It'd be better. And yes, it's better to miss a game than it is to miss church. And I'm not saying this because your attendance makes me feel better. I don't get up here for your attendance. I'd get up here and preach the word of God if there was just a few people here on Sundays. But I'm saying this because I want your kids to prioritize God when they become adults. And you're training them. You're teaching them. You know, parents, it's just it's time to establish these daily rhythms where you continually teach your kids to live for God. Because if you don't do that, there's no telling what's going to happen when they get old. Because you no longer have that promise that when they get old, they won't depart from it. If you're going to not do this, if you're not going to train up your child in the way they should go, then it's just a wild card. They might live for God. They might not. Are you willing to take that chance? But if you train them daily on how they should go, you have a promise. It's a promise. When they're old, they won't depart from it. All right, I'll give the parents a break. And I'm going to speak to everybody else in the room. Today's a day of correction. I didn't come here to make enemies. Maybe you think that I did at this point. But I did come to be obedient to the Lord. You know, the Lord is very displeased with how we think and act towards children. You know, children are a blessing from the Lord. Amen. Yet we've adopted the world's mindset and turned God's blessing into a nuisance. You may say, Kate, this isn't true. We don't do that. But your actions actually say otherwise. I have conversations a lot one-on-one. I'm not pointing anybody out on this, but, but this is just, this is the common thread. When I mention children's ministry, here's what a majority of people say. Oh, I love kids. I'll do anything but kids ministry. Then we all laugh it off. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, kids are kind of hard. And, <laughs> and while we're laughing, the Lord's heart is literally breaking at our behaviors and our attitudes. You see, in America, we're trained to be selfish. If it takes effort and sacrifice, uh-uh, I don't want nothing to do with that. And as the church, we're acting just like the world. We may not go so far as to abort our babies like the world is doing, but most Christians do something just as harmful when they stay silent about the evil of abortion, while the other side is screaming so loudly, pro-abortion. It's not that we want babies to be aborted. I don't think anybody, any Christian wants that. It's just that we don't care enough about children to endure the persecution that comes when we stand up and speak out. After all, if it takes sacrifice, I'm out. As a church family, every single one of us should look for opportunities to mentor the kids here in our church. I mean, we should be fighting over who gets to be in kids' ministry this week. At what point do we stop acting like the world and become who God wants us to be? At what point do we become a church where the kids feel so valuable, so valued and so loved that they just can't wait to get back here? When will we get over ourselves and start living for others just as Jesus did? When will we reject what the world has taught us about kids being a nuisance and instead clothe ourselves with love 
And oh, that patience that we're going to need. And embrace that sacrifice that it takes to mentor children. I hope today is the day that we make that decision and we change. I hope our kids ministry leader is overwhelmed with the 50 new volunteers that she gets after this message today. And for the record, I didn't preach this message because she asked me to. I preached this message because the Lord led me to preach this message. I was actually very surprised when this is what came out in my preparation time on Friday because I thought I was headed another way, which I would have much rather been that way, by the way. And then this started coming out, and I'm like, oh, all right, here we go. But you know what this means, that the Lord wants to bring us this message today? It means that he loves us because the Lord corrects those that he loves. And there's a great blessing around the corner if we make the changes that he puts before us today. So, you know, I hope you're a little bit disgusted by the ugliness that was hiding on the inside of you, because it's not until you notice that ugly selfishness. I mean, it's ugly, isn't it? It's not until you notice it that you can get it out. Before I had kids, I thought I was an unselfish person. I was serving here at church as the worship leader and as the business manager and like many other things, and it was all volunteer. I was here almost every day of the week doing stuff. I was cleaning the church, all that. So, you know, I was going to all the outreach events. Y'all, I was even nice to people at Walmart. (laughs) I was living the unselfish life, or so I thought. And then seven years ago, Beth and I had our first kid, and how quickly I found out how selfish I really was. Suddenly, I couldn't do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. Before I could go serve others on my terms, and then come home and have my me time which, by the way, is a cover phrase for selfishness. Can you find the me time in the Bible? You're not going to find that. That's a worldly term. But now my me time was care for an infant time. And I'd like to say that I handled this transition really well, but I didn't. (laughs) Selfishness dies hard, (laughs) y'all. But as followers of Christ, we got to be on mission to destroy selfishness every time that it's revealed. Just, Just get rid of it. Eventually, I got over myself, and I developed a better attitude about my me time becoming much less than it was before, and I thought I was good. I I thought I destroyed selfishness once and for all, and then we had our second kid, and honestly, going from one to two kids was harder than going from zero to one. Any other parents have that? Just, yeah, I don't know what it is, but... So most of my selfish tendencies somehow made a comeback between when our first was a newborn and our second was born, and I found myself dealing with all the same stuff. But as the scripture says, when you allow evil to come back into your life, it comes back stronger than it was before. And boy, was that true for me. I found myself facing an even bigger mountain of selfishness. One day as a sleep-deprived dad with a newborn, I laid down to take a nap. And as soon as I laid down, you know what happened. Adeline started crying. What did I do? Well, I did what all loving parents do. I sat there and I cried with her. As I was thinking, I just want to take a nap when I want to take a nap. And the Lord used this moment to show me how ridiculous I was. It was kind of like I had an out-of-body experience where I was watching this grown man cry because he couldn't take a nap. And that day I was disgusted with my selfishness and my immaturity, and I decided to grow up. And then a few months later, it was time to grow up some more. In the middle of the night, I woke up to Adeline crying. She's our second born. She didn't seem too distressed, and I needed my sleep, y'all. So I just ignored her, and I went back to sleep. 
The next morning, I went into the kitchen, and I noticed this rank smell. I mean, it was just, whew, it was terrible. And so Beth and I looked everywhere for, like, where's this smell coming from? We took out the trash. We were cleaning the floor. I mean, we were doing all kinds of stuff, and the smell was still there. And then a few minutes later, Adeline wakes up, and I went to go get her. And as soon as I opened the door, bam, I found the smell. Sometime in the night, not only did she puke all over her bed, but she'd also blown out of her diaper. And so I picked her up and I put her on her changer and I was unzipping her little sleeper, you know, and I opened it up and there was just dried poop all over her body. And at this point, my heart broke into a thousand pieces. She needed my help in the night, but I was so consumed with my sleep that she had to suffer in her filth the rest of the night. And once again, this disgusting plague of selfishness reared its ugly head. And this time I was just weeping in repentance because I felt so disgusted with myself. And I was just begging God, God, cleanse me of this. Like, why do I act like this? And you know what he did? He, he cleansed me. You know, sleep used to be a God in my life. I wouldn't let anything get in the way of my sleep. After all, the doctor says that I need at least eight hours. It's a good thing that God helped me sacrifice that idol because now with five kids, I rarely get a full night's sleep, y'all. I swear there's a conspiracy going on where they take turns waking me up in the middle of the night. So I want to ask, did you have an encounter with selfishness today? I know it's ugly, but it needs to be dealt with. And now is the time to be cleansed. You know, in 1 John 1, 9, he promises us if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I exposed two sins for you today. One is parents who are not training their children in the way they should go. And the second is allowing selfishness to prevent us from truly valuing and serving children. And exposing sin is not what forgives sin. It's not what removes sin. But confessing sin will forgive sin. And not only that, it will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So if you're ready to be cleansed from the things that we talked about today, I'm going to ask you to stand up as a sign of your confession. Lord, we thank you that your word is true. And those who are standing today are confessing their sin before you. And now we lean into your presence to cleanse us from this unrighteousness and this selfishness. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Lord, I ask you to place inside of everybody your love for children, that we see them the way that you see them, that just like you did in your word when the disciples were trying to silence the kids and get rid of the kids, that you stood up and you said, no, let them come and let me teach them and let me love on them. Give us that heart 
Fill us with that compassion and that love for children. Lord, every time that something comes up in our mind or in our thoughts that aligns with how the world sees children, I ask that you make it known to us as uncomfortable as it is. That you cause the selfishness that's been ingrained so deep within us to bubble up to the surface so that we can get rid of it and move into who we were supposed to be. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.